Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I want to welcome you to a special edition of the Clark Howard Show, the kickoff to college football edition. Our uh, <laughs> chief producer, COO of the company, Clark Howard Inc., right here, Krista. And Krista, you're Boston College Eagles. You are so optimistic every season. Yep. I had to wear my shirt today because I'm so excited. They kick off tomorrow against Rutgers. So go Eagles. The University of New Jersey. <laughs> my cousins went there, but I want them to kill them. So. <laughs> no, Sorry. not literally. You just want them no, to win. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want the football. To win. No, field. no. Yes. It's all nice. Uh, Krista is a very, very, very ardent fan of teams you support, mm-hmm. especially Miami State University, also known <laughs> as Florida International University. My husband's school, FIU, yes. which he thinks should be called Miami State. So I am just waiting around for my version of real football, the NFL, which is coming up just around the corner. But I digress <laughs> from our mission here on the show, which is to serve you and empower you to an NFL championship, no, to (laughs) make better financial decisions in your life. And today's the day when we get to hear about how I fumbled the ball, how I threw an interception, how I ran the wrong way with the football. Whatever it is, it's time for Clark Stinks. And also yesterday, (laughs) I talked about the value of booking your holiday travel early. And there's something else I need for you to do early this year, and that is send your holiday gifts. Shipping costs are going up, 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 and away. So I got some tricks to trade to help you send your packages. And Clark Stinks is your opportunity to share where you felt I was incomplete in an answer, just boneheadedly dumb with an answer. You feel like I gave bad guidance to someone bad information and that's why we have it so you have a chance to share your perspective with me i should have never encouraged you to speak you must think i'm pretty stupid you should be ashamed of yourself well maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong maybe you're right pal Clark, Go ahead, you, BC. You probably don't stink as bad as the sewage mess left by your broken sewer line at the Florida house, your Florida house, but you failed to give a listener a key piece of info about an aging sewer line. Your listener wanted to know if he could leave an 80-year-old line as it is until it breaks or just pass that potential problem on to the next homeowner. Often when you're selling a very old home like that one was, a good buyer's realtor will request a sewer line inspection. Usually before they break, they are crumbling underground and will be evident upon inspection, and the seller can have to replace the line as a contingency. I had this happen to me, and that's from Stacy. Stacy, thank you very much. And this ties in with something I talked about recently, 
which is normal home buying is coming back into vogue where people actually are doing inspections and requiring that things be fixed as a condition of purchase. On the sewer line, I have been involved in this where you have the the little camera going through the line and giving you bad news later. And it is possible that the line would be bad and it would have to be replaced. But if the line is okay, if the line has not caused a problem, it may well fly through just fine in that inspection. Clark, the stench isn't too bad, but I think you made a glaring omission. When mentioning recession-proof jobs, you didn't mention supply chain careers. One of the biggest struggles in recovering from post-pandemic consumer demand has been fulfilling orders and keeping shelves full. Even as the economy corrects, there's still going to continue to be a strong need in trucking, port work, and warehousing. And that's from Connor. Connor, that's a very good point. And the shortage of truck drivers is constant because the truck driver force has been getting older. The shortage of truck drivers is only going to become a bigger issue. Clark always mentions not making small claims such as lost rings against your homeowner insurance policy. While I agree what not to do, he stinks that he does not go one step further in stating what to do and giving advice of getting in personal articles insurance policy, especially from a different insurer than the one that owns your home policy. These are quite cheap, less than 1% of the appraised value of the items and can be inflation protected, Ron. Ryan, that is a great suggestion. So with your existing insurer, they're usually referred to as a personal articles floater or something like that, where it's like a sub-insurance policy inside a homeowner's policy. And there's value to doing what you've said. Having your valuables insured by a separate insurer so it doesn't jeopardize your relationship with the company that insures your home. Clark, I disagree with your future housing built by a mega manufacturer and plant thoughts. The homes actually are not of the same quality as a home that is built in place. Do not let the salesmen from these manufacturing plants lead you to believe their sales pitch. There are many, many issues with a ready-built home and the cheesy quality you receive. Remember Wausau Homes and the rundown double-wide mobile home quality they were. Also, you destroy the construction small business industry and force people to work in a warehouse and get smaller wages than if they work for themselves. Please let the home builders, electricians, plumbers keep their profits instead of giving it to the future multimillionaire manufacturing plant owners with their future customer no service. Thanks, Clark. Love you, but hate this promo for a big money crushing the little guy's business, Joette. Joette, thank you. I have to respectfully disagree with you. Um, the big guys, is, I think was the expression used, they all started as little guys. And the reason that uh, housing built in a factory has such a bad reputation is because of the problems that happen with lame companies that built really substandard mobile homes. These are not mobile homes. In fact, a lot of builders now are doing component manufacturing in a weather-controlled warehouse where they're building parts of a home in an interior environment, trucking parts of a home to a build site and lowering them into place. I think this is going to become more and more part of the picture because we have such a problem, Joette, with housing being affordable for a typical working family. And I don't know how site built, you get the cost down because of the built-in inefficiencies of building on site with weather, with 
contractors not showing up, workers not showing up. There's an efficiency on a line you cannot duplicate on a work site. The poor construction standards that have tarnished the idea of building in a factory are not inherent to building in a factory environment. It's that the companies were building substandard work. So I think we've got to do things like also the 3D printing of houses. There's going to have to be a lot of creativity employed to lower the effective cost of housing so that hardworking families who cannot afford a home today will be able to. Clark mentioned that he had filed a claim with his auto insurance company for damage caused by his daughter to one of his cars. Why is someone in Clark's financial position buying collision insurance? It is a very poor financial decision by him. Insurance should be bought only to cover losses that will affect the person's standard of living. I'm sure Clark's investment portfolio sometimes declines by much more than the cost of a car. Such a loss has no effect on his life or standard of living, so he doesn't have to worry about it. He should have the same attitude regarding his cars. And that's from Harry. Harry, thank you. I share heavily your sentiment that you're right. And that's why I wish my auto insurer would allow me to have a deductible higher than 1000 So right now I'm offered either a $1,000 deductible or full risk for damage to the vehicle. And I've chosen for now even though, yes, I could afford the total loss of a vehicle to take the $1,000 deductible because the amount I have to pay for collision comprehensive is so tiny compared to what I have to pay for liability, which I already have to have, that I have not gone the route you're suggesting. And maybe you're right, and I will look at that again. Clark advised that under some circumstances, taking out a reverse mortgage can be a good thing for the homeowner, but he does not mention the problem that can arise if someone needs to move to a retirement home or assisted living. They no longer have their home as an asset to sell that could have supported them in their later years. This happened to my aunt and uncle who got a reverse mortgage then needed to move to assisted living but had no funds to do so. Bella. Bella, I mean, you're, I mean, I can't disagree with what you said at all. So reverse mortgages are a last option. And who are they a last option for? Someone who is trying to stay in place, age in place in the home they live in, and they can't pay for life's basic needs as they are. And so in that circumstance, if you're out of ammunition of ways to pay for everyday life, then the home is a new supply potentially of money. But there's lots of downsides with reverse mortgages, starting with how much they cost up front, plus that they erode the value of the house over time, and then they didn't have, in this case, the funds to pay for assisted living. I imagine if they didn't have the funds to pay for assisted living, they didn't have the funds to pay for everyday life before they took out the reverse mortgage. So it's really one of those situations where they may have been between a rock and a hard place at the time they took out the reverse mortgage. But again, reverse mortgages are a last option, not a first or intermediate option. Mr. Howard, boy, do I have a bone to pick. Why do people do that every week as a way to get under my skin? Many, many years ago, a young me began listening to the Clark Howard show. And quote, if you do just one thing, it's put 10% into your company retirement. Pick a target retirement fund, set and forget. 
Well, sir, I've been doing just that for many, many years. Fast forward, I'm lucky that our combined income over the past seven years is well over $200,000. Guess what, Mr. Howard? There are Roth IRA limits. You never warned me. Not only that, I found that my employer does not monitor limits. It continued to contribute, exceeding the limit. Last year, I contributed $10,000 into the Roth, well over the 6K limit. Clark, you do not stink, but please, please emphasize to your listeners to pay attention to limits and year-to-date contributions. It is not autopilot, and we may be over-contributing to our Roth accounts, or worse, contributing when one should not. I'm off to find an investment and tax person to help me fix my mess. Thank you, Clark, for all you do. You're the best, Juan. So, Juan, gosh, I'm really sorry. We're talking about a situation here where your employer's retirement plan is not offering a 401k or something like it. They're offering what is, I'm guessing, is a SEP or simple or something like that. But I'm trying to get my arms around the $6,000 limit, what the employer could be using that you would be stuck in a $6,000 limit. Well, for the Roth. No, it could be that he just has, you know how you can set your paycheck up if they're not offering retirement to automatically contribute oh, to a contribute Roth. Oh, contribute to a Roth. Yeah, he got said it, a Roth. Got it. Okay. So I didn't know if he meant what kind of Roth he meant. I think it's so just a it's Roth IRA. taking a deduction from pay and putting it into an outside IRA. So what happens in that case, one, is uh, there may or may not be some penalty owed as the money is reclassified. The The penalty would be on any earnings on the excess contributions since that started. It should not be horrible. It's better that all these years you've been saving that money. Uh, better to have somebody mad at you because you saved too much than you being mad at yourself that you saved too little. Double back with me, one. Let me know after you meet with a tax professional what kind of total penalty you faced, I'd be curious. Clark, you're starting to smell like a weary nomad who hasn't showered in ages. Your recent discussion about the joys of pre-check, global entry, and clear make me sick. It may be true that it speeds up your passage through checkpoints, but these programs go against the free market-loving Clark that I know and love. All these programs do is create a phony money-making monopoly operation that gains more demand as inefficiency grows, therefore de-incentivizing the government's improvement. I know sitting in lines at TSA is no fun, but please don't validate these racketeering programs by giving them your money, even if it comes for free as a credit card benefit, or telling your listeners to do likewise. And that's from Ryan. So, Ryan, I'm sorry, free market Clark is going to respectfully disagree in this case. And maybe there's going to be a blind spot in me and there's holes in what I'm saying. So, the purpose of pre-check, and the reality is there should not be a fee for it, is to background people who fly regularly because it shortens the time and security overall for everybody. If everybody has to go through who the government has no idea they are, everybody has to go through the regular lines, everybody's got to go through all the extra steps of taking off shoes and pulling the liquids out and the laptop and on and on and on. There's massive inefficiency in that. If, on the other hand, people are backgrounded, global entry, you go through an interview, they decide if you are, in fact, a likely or unlikely security risk, it creates efficiency in the system. The fee 
because the government needs far fewer employees for airport security because of these programs, the program should be free to enroll in or at least just a one-time background check fee and from that point forward should be free. And that would be the best marketplace solution. But I think there actually is a benefit to the people who have not been backgrounded because the lines otherwise would be far, far longer for everybody. My guess on that. I appreciate all the variety of things people are fired up at me about. And it's really important for me to hear perspectives because as just a guy, just one person, there are times I miss part of the story or part of the issue or certainly with my obsession with free markets. That is a really valid point Ryan brought forward. So I really appreciate you making me think in a different way than this little head of mine thinks right now. Now, Coming up ahead, we're going to talk about Christmas. That's right. Christmas in September. I'm going to tell you why September is an important month for your wallet. So this is an unusual situation. September is going to be the bargain month. One of the two bargain months, I should say, for Christmas shopping. The other is going to be November. November, by tradition, started off originally as a single day, Black Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving, then went to Black Friday weekend, then Black Friday week. And now is pretty much the whole month of November is the bargain month of the Christmas shopping season. But this year, September is added because of the massive overstocks that retailers are working off where they ordered so much merchandise that never came, never came, never came, and people were buying a lot of stuff. And then virtually at the same minute that people lost interest in buying more stuff, all that stuff finally made it to the retailers. And they are just overwhelmed with it. Target just reported terrible numbers because they're having to mark stuff down so much to get rid of it, and they're not done with the inventory reductions. Neither is Walmart, the two big discounters in the country, although Target's excess inventory seems to be more of a problem. So September is kind of front-loading a bit Christmas shopping. Then you add on top of it, the Postal Service is going to have surcharges on shipping packages from October till after Christmas into early January. How much are the surcharges, you might ask? Typical surcharge, $1 to $6. So when you are sending something to somebody, even totally unrelated to Christmas, you're going to pay the package surcharges to the U.S. Postal Service if you use them. Now, if you are shipping packages, I want you to use someone like the one I use is Pirate Ship, but there are several of these that negotiate volume discounts for, they're basically an aggregator where they use the volume of all the people who sign up with them to use group buying power to get you cheaper package shipping. I end up using the UPS system through Pirate Ship. I also have discounts through my insurer, USAA, with FedEx, and those discounts were just increased, I guess, because 
of market share pressures from these various aggregator programs. So this is a situation this year where delaying on Christmas shopping is not going to be your friend. And if you're thinking, hey, why do I care what the shipping rates are with UPS, FedEx, or with the Postal Service, I shop online. Well, know how the calendar is your friend or enemy with that as well. The procrastinators who wait till very late in the season, which a shocking percent, I forget what the exact number is, of people who wait till the two weeks before Christmas before they start buying any gifts. There's so much pressure on UPS, FedEx, and Postal Service employees in December that everything surcharged for the retailers you would buy from. So even if they still call it free shipping, the cost of the merchandise is inflated to deal with that during December for items you want delivered. So for delivery as well, the earlier you buy, the better. For a lot of online shopping, November is going to be the key bargain month. Krista? And sign up for our Clark Deals newsletter right now to find all the bargains now that you might want. Right now, because today and today only, subscriptions are free. They're always free. Always free. They're always free. (laughs) Okay, we'll go to questions now. Denise in Arizona says, my neighbors and I are frequently missing packages from our locked USPS mailboxes in our neighborhood. Really? Their tracking shows packages as delivered, but we never got them. We've reported this to USPS, but they say it was delivered. This has been going on for several months and happens regardless of the sender or origin. Any suggestions on how we can deal with this issue? Denise, the Postal Service is having a lot of problems with package delivery, and the postal workers are stressed beyond measure. There are not near enough postal employees right now to deal with package volume they are in an impossible circumstance. I told a story earlier this year about some packages that went missing for us. And my wife went to the post office nearest to ask, and they said, oh, go to the package center, which was like two miles away. And my wife gets there, and it's not normally open to the public. And she goes in, and she's in the midst of hearing a postal worker yelling at two guys that are trying to get their mail for a law firm and says, if you don't leave right now, I'm going to have you arrested. My gosh. And my wife's like, uh-oh, <laughs> I don't think I need to be here right now. But that's the postal service system basically cracking at its core. The guy who runs the postal service, DeJoy, seems to not really have his arms around it. The postmaster general, the employees are demoralized. They are overworked, they're understaffed completely, and it is a mess. Who knows where your packages are? What I would do is try to contact Denise, the postmaster in your area in Arizona, and see if he or she can try to run down what may be going on with your missing packages. But I want you to know you're not alone. And if that doesn't work, maybe contact a local TV station. If a neighborhood's having yeah. a problem like that, there could be something Yeah, because, Denise, again, you are not the only one having these problems. And this is from Larry in Indiana. We have confusion regarding AAA. We recently moved to Indiana from Kentucky, and we were told to maintain our coverage. We would be considered new members at a much higher rate. We've been members for over 30 years. Is this correct? 
Okay, Larry, um, AAA is uh, basically a collection of regional associations, and they cooperate with each other. They have a headquarters near Disney and in Florida, and they appear to the American people as if they're one organization. They're not. They're an organization of affiliates that each do their own thing. And so that's why AAA memberships can vary so much in price from one part of the country to another. The policies vary so much from one part of the country to another. And you have to just basically erase that 30 years from mattering in terms of your insurance. And as you were told, you are, with the change in states, you're starting from scratch. Treat yourself as a free agent and shop around and see what you can get. And when you say AAA coverage, I don't know if you're talking about the insurance products they sell or the AAA membership. Mm, Did you really have a sense? So let's talk about AAA membership. Again, it's completely normal that AAA membership would be different one region to another just because of how they charge. I remember way long ago, a couple of decades ago, I was in another state. I was in a retail store, and they had a thing where you could join AAA at this incredible price. And I was like, man, that's so much cheaper than I'm paying. So I let my membership expire and I took this coupon I'd bought and I sent it in because I had to pay for the year right then. And then they rejected me. They said, you're not eligible. And then I couldn't get my money back. Oh no. Yeah. So I got burned bad. And that's when I found out all this. This must be 20, 25 years ago. And so Larry, that's the problem. This is from Jenny in Georgia. My 2000 Toyota Tacoma has 280,000 miles on it. I've owned it that for- That few miles? <laughs> I've owned you it- don't have a million miles yet? No, just kidding. I've owned it for 21 years now. I love my truck. I was determined to do the Toyota Challenge, but I feel I can sell it for a good amount now versus a big tag repair. What are your thoughts with the current chip and new vehicle spikes? Does a three-year-old vehicle still make sense to buy versus new? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? So I've revised my answer on this, that we're going to see the vehicle shortages, both new and used, have eased some. They're going to continue to get better, but it's going to be a much more gradual process than I thought. And normal is going to be sometime in 23. I'm not even going to say now when in 23, but it's definitely coming. Buying a three-year-old vehicle does not work right now. The math just doesn't work. It's very common. You go on a used car lot. The three-year-old vehicle with lots of miles on it is selling for substantially more than the manufacturer suggested retail on a new one. You're in a position where you can go ahead and if you want another Toyota or whatever you want, you can go ahead and get on the order books at a dealer. May not be where you live in Georgia. You may need to look at another state where a dealer is not marking up their vehicles above MSRP. You go ahead and place the order, take your time, when it comes in, because time's been your friend, 21 years with this, when the vehicle comes in sometime later this year or next year, you take delivery and your year 2000 Tacoma, well, it's done its job. 
and somebody else is actually going to be happy to pay you money for it and drive it moving forward. So the car thing, who knew? Want to tell you something. Monday, Labor Day, a day we're supposed to be appreciated for our labor. So what am I doing? I'm taking the day off. So no podcast on Monday. And I want to tell you, we're not answering your questions one-on-one in our Team Clark Consumer Action Center on Monday either because both our paid staff and volunteers are taking off Labor Day. But otherwise, regularly, Monday through Friday, the Team Clark Consumer Action Center is available to you as it has been for nearly 30 years to answer your questions, complaints, problems, whatever, one-on-one to give you guidance and advice for free from 10 in the morning Eastern Time till 4 in the afternoon Eastern Time. The number you call is 636-49-CLARK. Let me repeat that. 636-49-CLARK. Have a great holiday weekend.